Welcome to another episode of Learn with Bestern, where we discuss the latest trends in leadership development, self-development, as well as well-being. There's so much information out there. We want to make sure we bring in the latest insights and research based on neuroscience and behavior change to give you the tools that you need to make a change in your personal and professional lives. Join us on a journey to learn more. We hope you enjoy this episode and don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with others that might find it helpful. I want to make it clear for our audience, the episode today is the kind of the awkward discussion we humans don't enjoy talking about suicidal thoughts, especially men who are the population with the highest suicidal rate. The most awkward thing is that if we don't talk about it, it becomes worse for people struggling in silence with depression and shame. Today, my guest is Chris Hale, the CEO of MindForce a couple of years ago, in fact, he was one of the most reputable founders of business companies, developing new business of in media, online and digital publishing. And he had a depth of knowledge about all senior management roles and positions. Today, he's the founder of, of MindForce. And MindForce is a business platform dedicated to helping people of all nationalities, religions, and economical backgrounds to address mental illness. MindForce DXB offers help, support, and advice, not just to recover, but to get people's lives back on track. MindForce is a company that is founded in the UAE. And I, I just have like this big thought about remembering, remembering clearly the day Chris and I met in February, 2020. Some days before, a life-changing event had occurred to, uh, to Chris, and it was also a, an important moment for me to reflect on this brief conversation that we had, that had, in fact, a long-lasting impact on me. Chris, welcome to, uh, to the Learn With Medicine podcast, and I would love to start with why this experience is so personal, and if you can share a little bit about what happened back then in 2020. Of course, and good morning, Ivan. It's, it's great to talk again. I mean, it has been, a, it was a long time before we actually caught up again since uh, we were at that Safe Space event. And I was, uh, I was very nervous um, because it was probably the first time I'd actually met a group of people and, and, and sort of actually felt as though I was, I felt safe. And that's what the safe space was for. And um, and and yeah. Danny, who we 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 both know, was uh, was doing a fantastic and still is doing a fantastic job. Um, yeah, I, I in terms of what you said about mindfulness, it's really that 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 hit the nail on the head. But um, going back to who I was then, um, I was literally a month down the line since I literally tried to take. Well, I tried to commit suicide. Um, I was luckily enough to be saved by Dubai police, who became an incredibly important part of my life and are making such a change and improvement to the way that they understand people that are suffering from mental illness, um, thoughts of suicide, 
um, because you know it, it, it is it's an incredibly personal situation and it's an incredibly lonely situation and to have the thought and have to have people to understand you is incredibly uh, it's just amazing because it makes you feel wanted again um but going back toward to, to when that happened um it really started with a build-up of 40 years of mental illness and 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 really that i couldn't cope um it started as a teenager uh through a lot of um should we say uh, family stress and uh, build up with um, my father and myself as being the eldest son. Um, a lot of self-doubt in my, as, as a person. Um, the fact that I'm a very confident guy um, was really quite weird because I also had that self-doubt on this, uh, within my confident sort of persona. And over the years, certain points and times in my life triggered my uh, mental illness, depression and thoughts of suicide, which sort of built up over, over the 80s and 90s and 2000s. Um, you know, the, the, the fact of the matter back then is that there was a terrible stigma around uh, mental illness because even as children, we would call people mental. Um, you know, if somebody was different, that was somebody that you, you actually, it was almost like bullying. And, um, you know, that, that, that also has an effect as we can discuss later or things that I am discussing is, you know, the fact that bullying is an incredible integral part in, in, in not, just in the, not just in schools, but in the workplace and in people's personal lives of, uh, of triggering these, these thoughts. And so I really was in a bad way for many, many years. I hid it well um because i still had work to do my background is obviously working in media and publishing and i've run businesses and i've ruined businesses i've worked for big publishing companies and and i've not been able to 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 um to to focus to actually do the job because i just had so much self-doubt and so many issues that i was feeling and the problem was at the end of the day that culminated in the fact that I came to Dubai in 2013 and I was really escaping the um, the ways that I was hiding my illness and, and, and how I was feeling and I was hiding it through addictions and I won't go into any more details than that but it was a few and, and, and you almost become an actor mm. and you people don't see what's on the outs what's on the inside they only see what you want them to see on the outside. And you know, you 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 lie to people not because you're a liar, because you don't want to involve them. You say everything's okay, even though people are asking you for advice. You can't go to other people for advice. And I couldn't ask for help. I was too proud. I always thought that, you know, the next day I'd wake up, I'd feel get, I'd I'd feel better, and I was progressively getting worse. And so in 2019. I was in a very, very bad way. I was not functioning at all. I was practicing taking my life. And I broke the heart of somebody that I, I loved very dearly, uh, my partner over here. And, 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 and I, I hurt a lot of people. And, and, and I, all I wanted to do was to let the pain stop. And that was, that was what I was, that's why I did what I did. I felt that the world would be better off without me. 
and no one would miss me, even though I've got family, my children, my, my, my extended family, my friends. I didn't, I wasn't, I was thinking that they would be better off. And so, you know, on, I was homeless in 2019. I was on the streets. I had nothing. Um, I was helped for a short time by some incredibly good people in Dubai. Um, and, but then in, in, on January the 1st, on New Year's Eve and January the 1st, it, it really did come to a head. And then on January the 2nd, I, I tried to hang myself and, 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 and I was, I was non responsive when I was found by Dubai police. Luckily enough, a, a British gentleman realized I was in a bad way because I did a post that said, hi dads, bye dads, which was aimed at the British dads Facebook group, who, which had helped me. But one British gentleman, and he'll rename, he'll, he'll stay nameless, he contacted the police and phoned them six times and said, there's a guy that's in a bad way. <laughs> and so they found, by whatever means, they found where I was based, broke in and gave me CPR and uh, saved my life. And the rest is, uh, you know, the rest is all positive, even though it's been a progressive, you know, build up of trying to get better because it doesn't just happen overnight. Exactly. Chris, you mentioned something that um, is quite dear also to, uh, to the kind of topics and personal story is about the feeling of being lonely, that you are alone with, uh, with your struggle. And, and maybe that's, that could be considered as one of the root causes about these suicidal thoughts is because lonely, loneliness can drive either to depression uh, loneliness can drive to towards cognitive dissonance, the fact of not belonging, that your brain is feeling like, hey, I don't, I, I'm different than the rest of, uh, uh, of, the, of the society. And loneliness can, can also drive us to think that there is no one that can help us because maybe we are surrounded by people that are not the right ones, people who really genuinely will not care about us, but we, I mean, the world is big. You mentioned, for instance, the fact that a person helped you during your experience, that Dubai police, and we have to highlight in parentheses that back then, talking about suicide was not the most common thing that you could hear in the UAE, right? So that shows yeah, an evolution yeah. of the thoughts of, of, uh, of the culture. We are in the transition from a traditional way of looking at the world towards a more modern and accepting of Dark thoughts. What do you think? Well, you're, 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 you're right, Ivan, because, you know, ultimately, you know, over the years in the UK, there was never the options to ask for help, except you all automatically thought that if you walked into a hospital, you'd be committed to a hospital. Um, you know, there was only the Samaritans in terms of who you could talk to, and that was really at the last sort of knockings of how you were feeling because automatically Samaritans is, is, is connected to people trying to take their life. Um, and over here, because of the dive, this, the stigma is, was so powerful over here and so strong, mm. because if you think about the UAE and, and, and it's, it, when I arrived, it was such a, a, a buoyant time and, 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 Dubai was always seen as somewhere where there was never any issues. Everyone was happy. Every, there was, you know, everyone could make, it was almost like the streets were paved with gold and all of this sort of thing. And, you know, it was somewhere magical that you could move to. 
And, you know, it's just like anywhere else, to be absolutely frank with you. You know, this is our home. It's uh, we're not tourists. We're not popping. We're not popping here for a couple of weeks of sun and going home again. You know, we had to make this as our home. And, and you mentioned about the, the, the stigma and it was it was about the fact that, you know, it is difficult to understand something you can't see. And mental illness is something you can't see. And it's not like, well, it's not as though you're walking around with a bo broken bone or a busted nose or a black eye or whatever. Mm. You know, you're walking around with thoughts in your head, which or little devils and angels on your shoulders that are constant, constantly controlling how you feel. And, and you talk about the loneliness side. I've never been lonely as somebody who was able to get to know people and, 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 and sort of be on my own. I was on my own when I closed the door. When I closed the door of my flat back in the UK after my divorce, which I, again was down to the way that I behaved and acted and couldn't cope. Um, when, I, when I shut myself alone, that's when I was alone. You know, I actually, actually people kept me really from doing what I did earlier um, even though, you know, I had tried it before, but it's, it, it does actually affect people because one thing I found afterwards, and we can talk about this, is the fact that, you know, and we're going to talk about the fact that it's really aimed at, you know, men, is, men are a very um, high percentage. In fact, probably 80 to 90% of, of suicide, and, 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 and that is through is, is men rather than women. Mm. is that you know it's very difficult to make some people find it very difficult to make friends you know communication is an incredible tool to actually make friends but at the same time communication is always is also very difficult for people to reach out and ask for help and you know just understand and and, and we are very we're very proud people the diversity over here in Dubai and the UAE is so is 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 so rich that you're dealing with different religions, different communities, different languages, how people run their lives. You know, people actually, some people's lives are completely different to us in the West or the East or in, in the subcontinent or Australia. So, you know, we have to actually um, be very empathetic. And that's why, as I mentioned to you about Dubai police and the fact that the government are getting more understanding that it isn't just the fact that you know we can just say you'll get better there's a whole you know that the, the structure of recovery is so is, is so detailed it's not just go to a hospital and take a tablet and you'll be okay hmm. uh, that's that's clear um so getting back to the to the root cause of of suicidal thoughts so mm. We have mentioned depression. We have mentioned probably loneliness, which is maybe before the, de uh, the depression, cognitive dissonance, not belonging. We humans want to, to have like belong to a tribe that is similar to us. And when we don't have, despite the fact that we can be like public figures, like you back then, you were like a public figure. You had a lot of interactions with people, but if this, if the, encounters were not making a bond of feeling like you have similarities in terms of values, then of course it doesn't count. It's just numbers without mm. real quality of, of, of interaction. So what would you say uh, are the, the most common 
root causes of dark of suicidal thoughts. And my second question would be, is it the same for a 40 plus years old person versus when you, we are discussing about suicidal thoughts in teens? Is it the same root cause? Um, well, I mean, you know, how people deal with the whole buildup of um, this illness, which can lead to the suicidal thoughts, anything can trigger it. Um, you know, I can give you examples of people who have approached me because they are feeling suicidal due to the fact that they are not working or they have financial issues. I can point out to you about people that are feeling suicidal because they have body issues. And I'm talking about younger generation, bullying, pressure of, of school and peer pressure. And parents as well putting pressure on the kids, and also the kids, and also the younger generation actually sort of have got a lot more to deal with in terms of media and how it and, and, and what they see nowadays. And you know, it's not always good. And you know, we when when I was younger, from when I started feeling it, or when I started having the first initial stages of you know my my mental illness was was I was I was physically abused by my father I was the eldest son and you know I would I had a lot to live up to as a, a from my dad and you know I was I was very badly beaten by my dad but not because my dad wanted to do it it was the only way he knew how to sort of show his unhappiness because it happened to him and you know we follow traditions and and things of how we deal with stuff and and the one thing, you know, as I went on in life and I, I became, I just didn't have, my depression worked more on the fact that I had so many different traits of depression and that built up so much in terms of the fact that my head and my brain and my mind was continuously scrambled and that I couldn't actually function. And, you know, I, I again, I, I mentioned to you about my addictions and, and my addictions, which were, you know, across the board, quite, you know, stuff we won't mention now. But, you know, if people use their imagination, they can they can probably get it um, is that those hid how I felt. Um, I was more of somebody when it came down to my suicidal thoughts. I thought that I just wouldn't be missed. And I just thought I can't cope anymore. And I had such a pain in my head, continuously building up and building up and building up. And I just didn't have a, a, a solution. And I, I was so, I was stubborn as a man where I couldn't talk about it. I always felt I was a father. I was, a, a, I was the head of a family and so forth that, you know, I should be able to deal with these things. And, and you know, it, it comes down to the fact nowadays that obviously with the younger generation and people today, it, it can be anything. You know, I've dealt with somebody who just lost their job and he was really feeling as though he would be better off dead. So his family would have his insurance because he never felt he could get his jo a job back. So, but it, so it's not so much the fact that we have a problem with the mentality and the mental illness side and the fact that we are ill, you also lose your structure. 
And as as people, we always love structure. We don't like to, you know, we there are things in our lives that we take for granted. And one of those is things like work. One of those is things like um, uh, housing. One of those is things is something like, you know, finance. And all of those things, they come within your life in the way that you live. And when things change, we hate change. People hate change. It's being, if you can be adaptable, I think the people that are, that, that are stronger than anyone are the fact that are people that can adapt to the differences and actually find solutions. Sometimes you can try and find solutions, but it doesn't always work. And those things can drag you down further and further and further. And again, what I said to you before, it comes back down to communication. Into, it's such a powerful word because to, people will not turn their backs on you if you ask for help. But we automatically think that we're going to be looked at as, as weird or as, or as stupid or, you know, going to be judged. And we're not, you know, some people will judge you and that's their right. Everyone's got their own opinions and I get it. And I, I've had it, you know, when I, when I opened up after I took my, after I tried to commit suicide, and I opened up and told my story, how I hurt so many people. And some of those people will never forgive me. And I've got no problem with that because that's their right. But I can only say sorry. And if I can't, if people can't accept my apology, I, I can't help that. You know, the one thing that we have to have and we have to be when we are trying to recover is very selfish about ourselves. Indeed. There are two takeaways about what you say that is strike me is that the buildup of suicidal thoughts comes from the feeling of there is no hope. Secondly, is the lack of control of our life. You call it a structure. I call it lack mm. of control. That yeah. our life doesn't depend on what we do. It depends on some, someone else. I want to dig a little bit more about um, depression. So in a non-medical way, what does it mean for you, depression? Because there is a lot of confusion and we need to, to also to communicate to others the fact that it is different than being sad or the different than being just overstressed. Mm. What does it mean for you, Chris, depression? That's, that's, a, that's a very good point because, you know, there are one thing or 20 things can trigger depression. And it's a buildup over a couple of months of things changing in your life or negative situations taking control or affecting your well-being, your structure, the way that you work, the way you live. And, and they again, it comes back to the suicidal thoughts is that, you know, in terms of, uh, it can be anything that can trigger it. And it, everybody's different. Um, You know, when I was when I was when I was suffering very badly in the 90s and the 2000s, a lot of it was to do with the fact that I was I was the person that actually, you know, was was doing the things wrongly. And that was causing the depression. So, you know, I bought a house and I had a job and things like that. And I was married and I had children and everything else. But I just wasn't my mine all started when I just wasn't in control or felt comfortable or felt confident. And, and, and I, felt, I felt useless. I always doubted what I was doing. And, and, and you know, mine was a buildup of, of, of situations. And, and, you know, it culminated in me having 
10, 15 traits of depression. And, and, and that included things like weight loss, aggression, um, hated doing things that I used to love to do, not wanting to communicate, not wanting to be part of the social gatherings, hiding from people because I felt rubbish, um, not being able to, um, you know, just not being able to function. Now, that's my, that, you know, that was my situation with depression. You know, the, the fact of the matter is that there, we have things like stress and anxiety. And I use the fact that being depressed is different to bit having depression. You know, I get depressed when my football team loses, um, but I don't have depression when my football team loses. Depression is, is inside your head. And, and being depressed is, is almost sad, as you, as you used the term before. You know, but also we have to understand that the levels of how we feel increase and, 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 and get worse as time goes on if we don't deal with them. And so, you know, we have to understand what things like anxiety and stress levels are. Now, we all have, everyone has mental health. Everyone has it, whether it's good or bad. We all suffer from some form of anxiety and stress in our lifetimes. And if they, if we can overcome them on their, they're almost short-term situations, I see them as. Now I might be wrong, but you know, it, I'm using my example and, and, and my sort of life as, as an example, is that, you know, when I was stressed, I was stressed due to things like exams. And I was stressed due to things, you know, like, like getting married or paying the bills or whatever. And anxiety was all about sort of maybe if I had a presentation the next morning or that sort of thing. You know, that, that isn't the be all and end all of, 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 of life. It doesn't matter if you if you make a mistake. But we as people, we don't like to fail. Failure is, is very difficult to deal with. And with depression, it started, you know, mine started where I just felt as though I couldn't cope. I would. The depression is very selfish or is very self-orientated. Anxiety and stress is due to things that could happen outside of your life. You know, depression is very much about you. And stress and anxiety is very much about you and how it can affect others. Hmm. And I think there's a difference. And, you know, the, the, I think depression is not, is not understood as much as it should be. And we call and we actually use the wrong terms for certain situations. And I'll bring I'll give you an example of and, and also we don't we don't do things the right way. If I go to about how you get better, because, you know, things like stress and anxiety could be about losing your job and and, and having a present, you know, just just not feeling great. Now, they are about losing structure. And as you said, control and whatever. And those things can be talked about. They're not medical issues. They're in their they're life. They're life issues in the workplace or whatever. And if you talk about those things with people that actually can help you understand those things, you don't need to be, you know, you don't, you, you don't need medication. You don't need to go to hospital. I mean, you know, we, we are very quick to throw medica medication and go and see a doctor to people when you don't need to. And we do things a little bit backwards in this region because we should have, you know, we don't have a GP or the National Health Service where you can talk to a counsellor. We don't have those scenarios here. We just say, go to hospital, go to a medical practice, and they give you a tablet and they say, you'll get better. 
Well, no, they no, you won't, because the one thing we have to do is we have to understand why we're feeling the way we are. And we have to understand what, you know, the traits or what's triggered it. And I feel that what we need to do, and this is what Mindforce is trying to do with the, with the other companies that are in our community, because we're not doctors. Myself, my business partner, Simon Walker, we're not doctors. We can't cure you. What we can do is we can find the solution and the right person that can help you, whether that be a consultant, whether that be a life coach, whether that be somebody in the holistic sector, or whether the fact that you do need to go to hospital. But what you need to do with these people, and I'll come back to the fact that you have to be selfish, is that you have to trust that person implicitly, because if you don't trust them, you won't open up and communicate the way you should. You'll tell them just what they want to hear. And that comes back to also, you know, us talking about depression, suicidal thoughts and everything else, because we don't trust the people around us that can, uh, to help us. They might be able to listen to us, but can they help us? You know, I could have told my friends, by the way, I'm feeling suicidal. And they might say to me years ago, don't worry, mate, it won't last long because they're not doctors. Now, you know, we have to find the right people. And that's why with Mindforce, my business, and Simon, is, who's, who's a very, who's, who's, who understands things like addiction, and I understand the other side of the coin. And we've both been experienced, we've both experienced loss of family through suicide and things like that. And, and we have community, we have businesses within our community and we're almost, and as I said, we're like, um, we, we're basically people that will facilitate others and help them find the right people for people. Because it's all about matching someone's needs with what you can provide. It's all about that. And if you can match two people together, it can actually make such a difference to that person. I mean, I'll finish off with one on this question with one example. You know, I had a guy who I dealt with who had everything. He'd lived here for years, his wife was fantastic. He had kids at university, he had a house, he was earning so much money all through his life. And one day he got a bit stressed about a presentation and he really had a panic attack, only about a presentation. And straight away he was thrown to hospital and he was on tablets for literally 10 years. And he wasn't, he didn't need to be on medication, but over here we did that for, we did that, that was the function or the way that we saw things being done. And I spoke to him and I said to him, you know, how have you dealt with what you're dealing with? Because he came to see me and he said, look, I just need some help. I know what's wrong. I'm not working. I know that's the problem. But everyone tells me I'm ill. And, I, and we sat down and we talked about it. And he said, you know, I've been through seven, 10, 15 psychologists and doctors. And they didn't get me. Because it was all, some people look at things like that as a job. We have to look at psychologists and people in the medical profession. They need to look at it as the fact that they are helping people and ultimately could save a life. I'm not saying that everyone does that, that just looks at that as a, as a job, but some people do. And it's all down to, and he didn't, he just didn't get them. He didn't get on with them. He didn't trust the fact that what they were saying was correct. And, you know, once we found him the right person, he only wanted to get his structure back and be that working guy again. So there are so many different ways of dealing with this.
Chris, if you allow me, I want to throw yeah. some uh, nerd nerd moment. So, okay. <laughs> it is about how our brain processes uh, the vision of the outside world. So mm. the fact is that, that our, our brain is basically communicating with, I don't know, electrical signals and some chemicals that, are, that produce emotions, yeah. the feelings that we have and certain behaviors like sweating because we are a little bit nervous, right? So our brain is controlling most, most of our body. So, <clears throat> and I like when you say that uh, a solution for challenges and struggles with uh, mental illnesses now in general, cannot be just medical or cannot be just the support on the, um, uh, the, the, the mental support like a, a psychologist. Mm. And the fact is that, yes, when we are under depression, there is many researchers that shows that there is an imbalance of certain chemicals that are produced that regulate our emotions uh, and allow us to see the reality in a, in, a, in a better way. It's a little bit like in my head, I have, because I'm a visual person, I have put like the image of being depressed is almost like being thrown to jail mm. by, in a world where there is injustice, we are thrown to jail for a lifetime sen sentence. And imagine yourself being in that prison. So without any hope, they have removed, in fact, everything that, that is in the um, uh, Maslow pyramid of, of, of needs. They have removed the fact that you don't belong to the society because they don't care about you. you they have removed the, the fact that there is no way that things can get better because, and that's the feeling of someone who- I, Ivan, Ivan, I, I, will, I, will, I will totally agree with you because when I used to walk away from the people that I was with or with work, when I was really suffering, you know, my head was just completely scrambled. Mm -hmm. Going into my, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, shutting the door in my flat was like locking a cage or putting, going into a jail. Because I looked, I just thought about, I was, I had four walls. I couldn't, everywhere I turned, I hit a wall. Yeah. And, and it was almost, and, and you're right about, I'm very visual because you paint pictures and you paint a pic, it's called, you know, I call it picture power. It's because uh, I, I, you know, I work in sales and media and I train people in building up and painting a picture of what is in your mind. And what was in my mind was literally me on my own in a cell and just, and, and everyone outside, I was sort of dropping in every now and then and seeing them and going back into that cell. And, you know, the, 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 the imbalances, you're absolutely right because, you know, the sweating, the whole sort of scenario with our body and mind connection is due to the situations and the environment we are actually in at that time. So when I was, you know, when I was taking, you know, when I was taking what I was taking to, to try and function and, 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 and I, be, I became an actor, I literally became this chameleon because on the outside, no one saw that there was a problem because I wouldn't let them, because I couldn't let people down. Even though I was letting them down in the way that I was behaving, I was trying not to let them down in my, in my way by, they, by them not seeing me breaking down in tears or whatever, and just completely sort of collapsing as a complete mess. And it got to us, you know, I think that when I, when I, when I moved to Dubai, I became clean of what I was what I used to use 
to, to hide what I was suffering from in the UK. And so I had to deal with it in a different way. And that's where I think the, you know, I realized how ill I was because I, the, the buildup and the, 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 the sort of roll on of, of me becoming so bad through, you know, I lost a business in 2015 and 16. I, I, I hurt people. You know, I couldn't function, as I said, you know, I couldn't communicate. I was lying about how I was because I didn't want to hurt people or involve them. And, you know, the fact of the matter is I didn't have that, that if you like, comfort blanket, which was the, um, the, the, the stuff that I took and the stuff that I did in the UK. I had to deal with it as, as a, just as a normal human being who wasn't normal. And, 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 and I couldn't, I didn't know how to. And, and over here, you know, back in the day, and it's changed so much that, and, I, and, and we'll get to it, but COVID's had a massive input in terms of people's mental health and how you deal with stuff, is that before COVID, you know, I went through all of this, is that I just felt useless. I just felt absolutely and utterly useless. And, and, and I always just felt, well, no one's going to miss me. Because over here, and it's very interesting over here, is that you can get lost in a system over here. You know, for a month in September, I was on the streets. I was living rough. I had nothing. And, I, and, and it was all my fault. You know, I, I can't blame anyone else because I was the person that had the illness. I chose not to say anything because I, was, I couldn't express myself or I didn't want to involve other people. You know, so it was my fault, effectively. And, you know, but at the same time, you know, I was ill. And, and I just felt that, you know, when I sat there in the room on January the 2nd, when I did what I did, you know, I was in complete control. I was sober. I, I put a pillow down because I've got a bad back. So I wanted to be comfortable when I took my life. I had everything under control because I just felt, well, no one's going to miss me. Because, you know, when you are lost in the system over here and, you know, myself and again, it comes back to what people are doing. And I know people, individuals that are just proper normal people, plus myself, Simon and others and whoever. We have helped other people that have been lost in the system. And, you know, we can talk about how people in the workplace are helping people they work, that work in business to deal with mental issues. But there are there are so many people that have nothing. I mean, literally have nothing on, on and 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 no one can help them. And that's what we're doing at Mindforce is that you know we're making sure that you don't have to have money or insurance to have your life saved. You know, a life is worth a lot more than insurance. And you know, being turned away at the door of a hospital because you don't have the right ID cards or whatever that's not right. That's not right. And that's the one thing that we are really trying to push. And, and you know, for example, you know, and I know mm. that there's a psychiatric host, hospital called Alamal here. No one, you know, before, before what happened to me, nobody knew about this hospital. It's been here years. It specializes in psychiatric well, well-being. It's got an A&E. It's run by a British company and the Dubai government. And people don't know it. And we need to still keep promoting the fact that the next pandemic since COVID is mental health awareness and mental health well-being. So, you know, I, 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 I'm very passionate about it because I don't want 
And I know that you don't. And I know that everyone never wants anyone to get to where I actually got to, which was basically non-responsive. And my life was over. And, it, you know, that's not right. You know, we've got there. People are too important. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter what they've got or what they can't do. A life is worth more than anything you can imagine. And that's what I love about Mind Force, uh, Chris. In fact, that when we <coughs> get into the moment of, uh, of struggles, we need to have like a, the first line support. The, mm. the person who will help us to direct and match us, mm. and maybe also help us to see a little bit like a possibility, an option. Because yeah. when we are back to, I don't know, um, depression, we, we don't see options. In fact, we see that there is no solution. We feel de dehumanized because we yes. are stripped out of what makes us human. Yeah, I mean, Ivan, it comes back to the three words that I said before, trust, communication, and understanding. Because you see myself, Simon, and the people that work with us, Edmund, whoever they are at Mindforce, and also the people that we have within the community that we are all building to really help others. But the thing with Mindforce is the three of us have been there. We've actually been there. Simon's been there with addiction and he lost his father. Edmund understands the thing about how it affects children, you know, and young adolescents. I have understood the fact that I was basically dead, you know, and, and I was at that level and I lost my father to addiction. But we can, and, and it comes back to when somebody picks up the phone or messages me or any of us and says, I need help. And whether that be, you know, me being sent videos of somebody self-harming them and cutting themselves to bits. And I'm using these examples as, as almost like, so people can visualize what it must be like to actually cut yourself. And the fact is you're not, you're not trying to hurt yourself. You're actually crying out for help. And that is, and you know, when I said hi dads, bye dads, that was a cry for help because no one wants to die. Nobody wants to take their life. People, there's always somebody that can help someone. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that if somebody talks to me, they can talk to me and I can get it where they are and what they're feeling because I felt it. You can't just go into a, 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 a medical practice and walk through the door of a psychologist who's been at university and does a fantastic job. Don't get me wrong. But to actually first get them to for you to say to them, do you know what it's like to actually want to end your life? Hmm. They're going to some of them will say no. Some of them will say yes. And that's great. But if you say no. Us as a facilitator, as a business, we want And, you know, we have other individuals that we work with is that we want the individual that's going to get help to actually realize that we're putting them in the right place, the safest place, the most openest place, and also the place that they can trust that human being or that psychologist or that doctor or whoever, because we say that they can't, they are doing the right job for them. It's not about, you know, it's not about we find a psychologist and we stay there and talk to them and if we don't enjoy it, we should have, you know, we are the person buying the help. So we should be the people that make the decision of what's good for us. And again, it comes back to when you recover and you will know it and everyone knows and people don't, people should know this and they need to know it is you have to be completely selfish. 
because it is all about you. Because if you don't get better, and I spent the first year of when I was when I did what I did, 2020, I'm I was just dragged along as not so much dragged along. People were opening up, and then COVID, and you know, Dubai police were was really sort of wanting to know more about how they could engage and help people. And I wasn't actually helping myself. So I didn't really help myself for another year. And I realized in 2020 that I hadn't done anything to help me. So I had to become selfish. And if I hurt people by being selfish and saying no to certain things, then that's that's life. Because if I'm not better, then what's the point of me being here still, you know? Indeed, indeed. Um, I wanted to, so the fact that that, I mean, creating awareness for people, not people with the, the suicidal thought, but anyone, like our society, our friends, our families, about creating awareness about mental challenges, depression, how, how to deal with, with the, the suicidal thoughts is, is not easy. And, and I'm thinking about this um, American series that, that were in Netflix like, uh, uh, a couple of years back, the, the series 13 Reasons Why, where yeah. they were speaking about suicide in the teens, um, and according to the producers, the aim was to create awareness about suicide, but many people around in social media, they reacted neg negatively about that because you don't talk about it because you have the fear that is going to induce people to commit it, even if you are happy, uh, happy at home. So according to you, what is the right way to create this awareness without hurting the feelings well, of, of well, some people? What? What you said is, is very, very true in terms of inducing. People like to try things. You know, I'll go back to the first time that I tried alcohol and mm. I was 16. I wasn't at the legal age, but I tried it. I even tried it at Christmas parties when I was even younger. You follow what people do. We are, we are you know, we, we deal with peer pressure very badly sometimes. And, you know, we are, some people are lemmings, some people are leaders, some people are not. Some people like the uh, the thrill, and that's, the, that's your mate, your physical and mental makeup, and people try things. And, you know, we have to be very careful when you talk about suicide, because there's a build-up to suicide. You can't just go and do it. Mm -hmm. And some people will go, just go and do it even though they don't understand it because it's what they're hearing rather than what they're experiencing. And that's why things like social media has to, and, 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 the, and the media in general, has to talk about the fact that we have to stop it at source. We have to stop mental illness at source when you're feeling just slightly imbalanced, slightly off kilter, you know, things. And that's why it comes back to the fact that you know, if you're being bullied, don't let the bullying continue. Open up. Mm. You know, you will not get turned away from saying to your mum, your dad, your teachers, your friends, I'm being bullied. You know, the one thing we have to start doing a lot more of is communicating at source. And, you know, I used to do that. My son suffered from bullying. And I, you know, I know what it's like to go through teenage years with 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 not very great thoughts. Um, but I used to say to my son, and I think, you know, parents, us as parents have got a huge responsibility 
because it, you know, we always want the best for our kids, and I get that. And the younger, you know, when you just graduated, you want the best for your 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 daughter or your son who's in their twenties and going into their first job, and that's a lot of pressure. You know, life is life is a is a number is is a is a series of pressures. It's a series of decisions, but you also have to understand what you're having to deal with. And so we need to bring it much more into the into the education uh, system in terms of un getting people to understand it. We have to talk to universities a lot more because when people leave that university security of the fact that you know they're not actually they're not earning they're not at school anymore they don't have to they don't have to rely on mum and dad or they can't just rely on mum and dad all of a sudden they have to go and get a job and don't get me wrong you know. It's very difficult when you're not feeling great to do the job. And, you know, that. but what we need to do is we need to ask, we need to get people to understand it at source. So, you know, we have to say to people, well, you know, you're, what, what do you think? You know, you turn it around and, 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 and I'm doing a, I do a number of talks with businesses, as you know, I know that you do. And we talk to all different people from all different walks of life. And the one question that we want to ask, and you just asked me, is how do we deal with things? You know, we all deal with things differently, but I think we can find a, 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 a common ground to understand what sets off depression, mental illness, mental health, well-being in your body as well as your head, because, you know, fitness and, and that goes with goes alongside, you know, the, the fact that when you're not feeling good, I have I love to walk. I walk for miles and miles to get my thoughts back and I feel relaxed and I feel I don't feel as though I'm being pressurized. I'm on my own. I've got my own sort of I'm in my own little bubble of happiness and, and I meditate now. And I, know I would never have done things like that. I thought that was all rubbish. You know, I was a cynic. I was a I was old school London man who really thought that was all rubbish. And I get it now and I understand it. And if we, you know. It's like trying food for the first time. Give it a couple of times and your mouth and your taste buds adapt. If we can help people, you know, in the work, in the schooling, in schools and in, in education, and as they start work, we can actually, I think, get people to deal with things differently as you get older. And if we can get, if we can actually not talk about worst case scenarios, but why people deal with it. You know, I don't want to read, I don't want to watch programs about some about suicide without understanding it. You know, I want to understand it. And uh, but, you know, as I get back to the very start of it, we all have, you know, some people like to try things without actually understanding them, you know, just for the buzz or just for the taste or just for the whatever. And unfortunately, and we're going through that now in certain court cases in the UK about, you know, young people taking their lives for no reason at all. I mean, absolutely no reason other than the fact that they had read about it on, and, and they saw it on social media. And so that's, a, you know, they're a very powerful tool. But we also have to give the final thing I'll say about that is, you know, people have got different ways of communicating. I like to do things face to face. Hmm. I would hate to talk to somebody that could help me via text message or uh, uh, AI or Facebook or whatever, you know, or I want to actually see that person and see how they're reacting to me. 
But some people can't communicate that way. And we have to offer. And the good thing about what we're doing over here in the region, as we are across the world, is we're offering different forms of communication to actually understand and ask for help. And so, you know, you, you have companies bringing in excellent EAP systems. So, you know, my, my friend, and I, I, I think you might know him, Paul Firth, who runs ICAS, which is a EAP external system for over 500 companies over in the region. But it gives people an opportunity to either talk face-to-face, -face, use a phone, have an emergency number. You know, we have to offer those supports. And I know that the DHA who support Mindforce and are working with, and obviously Dubai government and, and, and the Dubai police, we're offering more alternatives than 999 or going to a hospital. Mm. You know, we want to, and also, and that comes down to the fact that we are so diverse. Language is such a barrier here. C communities are, are set in their own little ways. Um, culture is so difficult here to get to understand people's different cultures. You know, religion has a massive role to play in not owning up to or not showing that you're weak or whatever. You know, I, I, I went back, I went to our, I went to Rashid Hospital when I was, when I was saved and, and that, I went into the, uh, to the psychiatric ward. And, you know, I don't mind saying this and, and, and this is what I think breaks stigmas down, it's being honest is that there were Emiratis, there were North Africans, there, I was the only European, there were people from the subcontinent, there were all these different people that were suffering. And that is still, and that is what is happening right now as me and you talk. Mm. So we have to offer different alternatives, different language options, just tell people, but it's all about getting the word out. And it's all about people next to you, people in your family, in the workplace, all saying to you, are you okay? But again, it comes all the way back to the fact that people will talk if they trust that they're going to get better. If you think it's a waste of time, you won't do it. And that's what Mindforce is doing, is actually saying to those individuals, trust me, I will find you the right person. And as I said, you know, we're not doctors. We can't cure people. But what we can do is we can actually give that person the confidence to actually say, I'll give it a chance. I'll have a go. I'll, 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 listen. I'll give them a chance to make me feel better and actually try and maybe understand me. And we're doing that with all different age groups and all different nationalities. And, and it's a really, you know, I, I don't want all these plaudits. We don't like all this stuff. You know, I've, we, you know we know we've saved lives and, and that's great. And, 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 you know, the fact of the matter is we'll keep doing it. And we're doing it, you know, and building awareness through events. And I'm going to be launching through our company, a different sector of my business called Just Reach Out Events. And, and we're going to be building up awareness. We, you know, we want to do as much as we can. And I know companies do, and I know individuals do, to actually make a difference and raise awareness. Because, you know, it affects the work. It affects companies' productivity. It affects life. You know, it affects life. Chris. It is what I take out, out of what you say, it made me think about the, um, uh, how the Nordic countries then mm. with the, uh, the rate of societies, like back in the nineties, uh, I mean, you could see uh, Norway, Sweden, Finland, and then Japan uh, in the mm. top countries uh, where, where there was a, a very high rate of societies. Yeah. So, and, and instead of dealing 
by discussing about recite, they went to, to exactly what you say, to deal, how do we solve the root causes of society? Mm -hmm. How do we solve the bullying? How do we uh, solve the, the problem that there is all people feeling alone? There is teens who cannot discuss with their parents. And giving the opportunities with many channels to, 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 to try to heal the society from yeah. the origin, not from the yeah. pain. The pain is suicide. So you don't talk about suicide. You don't overload the, the, these dark thoughts around the society. You talk about what, co what can cause I'll, it. I'll, you I'll, give you, I'll give you an example of myself and my son. And once a month, when I was, when I was divorced and I was seeing my son every other weekend, and we would sit down for an hour and I would give him an open forum. And I used to say to him, use whatever language you want, call mum and dad, whatever you like, speak about whatever you want. You're not going to be judged. Whatever's bothering you, whatever's causing you to feel rubbish, whatever's causing you to not do this or do that, whatever's really affecting you getting up for school, just tell me and we'll work out a solution. But we'll work out a solution for you. And you're the one that has to want to do it because I can't, I can always, you know, you and I can talk to anybody and we can advise them, but it's up to that individual to want to do it. If they don't want to do it, you can't put a gun to their head and frog march them to wherever. My father died of alcohol. Uh, he was an alcoholic and I offered my dad the solution of Alcoholics Anonymous and my dad didn't want it. And my dad made those decisions and his choices. And I'll never judge him. I'll be sad about it and annoyed about it, but I can't judge him over it because it was his choice. You know, we should, but the good thing I think with, you know, everyone that contacts us at Mindfuls and contacts individuals and contacts medical practices and hospitals, they're all, con they're all contacting them as a cry for help. And so if you can actually give them the right support, the right, um, if you like, direction, the right ways of actually getting better, people will do it. If you don't and you just tell them, just do, if you're telling somebody to do something, they automatically won't always do it. If you say to them, let's work together to do it, let's understand it. And this is where it comes back to things like mental illness and mental health and understanding well-being in the workplace. Staff have to trust the management and the leaders and the HR and everything else. They don't want Big Brother looking at them. They don't want to be judged for being for feeling a little bit off kilter, a little bit out of it, and not and the fact that their results are maybe being affected by how they're feeling. You know, they don't want some people don't talk in the workplace because they feel that all of a sudden they're going to be HR or whoever is going to be told that Billy's going to see the doctor. Now, when he has his next appraisal, sorry, my friend, you can't take the pressure. You're out of a job. That's not going to happen. And we need to make that clear to people. You know, I'm going to be talking to a company next week. And one of the main points is actually telling the staff and explaining to the staff that everything that is there is there to help them. And it is confidential. But, you know, we automatically put up the, the, the barriers and we automatically, you, you, unless you see something work, you don't trust it. 
It's like flying. I wouldn't get in a plane before the Wright brothers showed me that a plane can fly. Yeah? Everyone, you know, jumping off a cliff, flapping your arms don't work. But if I saw this plane fly past me, then I knew that there was a that, that it worked. And so I would get on that ride and get on that journey. And if we can actually show them that it works and they're not going to lose jobs, they're not going to be judged, they're going to get help. And it comes back to schooling as well. Kids don't want to talk to the secretary or the nurse at mm. school because they feel as though all of a sudden mum and dad are going to find out, the headmistress is going to find out, your friends are going to take the mick out of you for asking for help. But if we can actually give them a safe space and that, and how that, how weird is that that it comes back to where we first met, a place called safe space. It's what you need. Yep. And, you know, for one hour a week or a day or a month or, a, well, you know, for an hour a week or two hours a week, you can actually realize that you can actually get help and it will, it will improve your productivity, your personality, your act, the way that you act, not just with you as a person, but your family, your friends. And people will see an improvement because, you know, the whole thing about coming back to us as people that want to ask are you okay? If we see somebody changing over a few months, that could be leading to severe depression. If you see people not products are not productive as they were, missing work, coming in late, putting weight on, not looking tired, being aggressive, not making decisions the way they should do, not enjoying what they used to enjoy, and that's everything that I used to do. That was that was me in a nutshell, mm. but people didn't realize it then, but we can do now. And, and it's all about education and what you're doing with your podcast and what I'm going to be doing with a podcast. So I'll announce that, that, you know, through Mindforce and my and our extra business, just reach out. I'll be doing those as well. We'll be talking about how things like mental illness, mental health, mental awareness have affected people. I'm going to be talking to individuals and I want them to tell me how they improved because people trust people when it works. As I said to you, when you talk to somebody who's experienced it, it's a lot more powerful than just talking to somebody who's studied it. And I don't mean that in a bad way to people that study psychology, they're psychiatrists. But if I'm talking to somebody who has dealt with it, I will get it a lot more. And then I will go to the medical people who have the skill sets to heal me or to help me. But, you know, I will follow that person because he's been there or she's been there. And, you know, we come back to the younger generation where, you know, more suicide kills more people in the UK between the ages of 18 and 30 than any other illness. And we can't see that illness. And that illness is hidden it's, you know, would we, it's so weird that you think, you know, if you have a broken leg, you can see the bone, you'll fix it. If you see a guy walking along the road and he is absolutely in pieces in, inside, we don't see it. Mm. So we have to, we have to ask. And it's really, you know, there's no, you know, there's no harm in saying, are you okay? And that's why we have the hashtag, just reach out. And that's why we want to do what we want to do. And that's why there are companies that, you know, not just our company, because we we're part of a whole mechanism, a whole build building, bl block of buildings of, 
of people that are now making realizing and as paul firth said to me during covid the next pandemic will be mental health and he was absolutely right because you know all of a sudden our lives got turned upside down with covid and it wasn't just you or me it was everybody i mean everyone had to deal with that and it's you know this is powerful stuff I'll, you know, I, I get on a soapbox a lot because I, I feel very passionately about it. And, and I'll, I'll shout this stuff from the rooftops and I'll tell, you know, things. I'll, I'll tell my story time and time again if I have to, because if it helps someone and saves a life, you know, that, that's more important than, you know, let's be seen to be the great place that we are over here or whatever country. You know, we can all have these perceptions that we can build great big buildings and we can build islands and we can do that. But this country, the UAE, they said to me when I came out of when I was in hospital, this is Dubai and this is your home and we're here to help you. And those were really powerful words to me because we do, you know, this country will do that. They are starting to do it. You know, no one's judging them if they're not doing it quick enough. But we we have a we have a real uh, strength of leading from the front in in architecture and, you know, currency financing hospitality whatever you want well medically we can actually do the same and you know if we can save lives across the board in terms of nationalities in in the uae you know you've got my you've got my vote you've got my vote chris i love the fact that you have made uh, your life purpose the fact of helping people in distress with the struggles Uh, and I love the fact that you are you are building like a full ecosystem so that people can reach out because that's something that we all we need. And right now, if we look at this situation in uh, in the Middle East, uh, we don't have all the options. So as hmm. you mentioned, we go to a doctor, we go to a coach, we go to a, a, a psychotherapist. There is not so many. Uh, there is options that might be the wrong ones because there is no one to guide us through these options so that we understand what what we can get how can people reach you out chris well to reach to to, to get in touch with mindfulness um we have our linkedin page which is mindfulness dxb i have my own linkedin page chris hale you can pm me um And you, my surname, my surname is spelled H A I double L. We have our website, which is www.mindforceuae.com. Um, you know, there's a Facebook page, um, but you know, really, it, it's it's not just us. I mean, you know, you can you can Google me if you want. That's fine. It will show you about you know the the British dad who who survived suicide. Brilliant. Um, but, you know, my, my, our focus is the fact that, you know, we will pass you on to the right people. We will help you. And also the fact that the support that we have through the DHA, you know, the Dubai Health Authority, who are making a huge input into this, as well as the Ministry of Health in terms of the, the, in Abu Dhabi, and the fact that we want to take it right the way through all the Emirates, We want to build it into other parts of MENA and the fact that, you know, in, in, in terms of the help you can get, you know, there are every hospital will make a, a point of helping you. And they're, they're, they're actually becoming a lot more um, in terms of seeing you by assessing you first. 
which is what we need, what, you know, which is what everyone has to do. Mm. You need to be assessed first. It's not, as we said before, it's not all about medication. It might be something that you don't need to see a doctor about. You might need to see a financial advisor or a, or a property company or, a, or, or a, a recruitment consultant and, you know, just to find a job. And, and, and the other thing is, is that there is a hospital in Dubai called Alamal, which is Al and then A-M-A-L. And it is online. It's got a 24-7 accident and emergency department. It's run by the Maudsley and Dubai government. The Maudsley is a, is a national health um, company in the UK. And they have an accident and emergency with nurses to be assessed. And you can actually stay in there. And you don't have to have insurance you can go there if you're if you're not working as long as you have the as some identification it's not a problem and this specializes in actually recognizing what's wrong with you and helping you and you know we will push a lot of people towards Alamal because it does a great job for people who can't get the help from the by paying for it or have insurance you know the this thing this place does an amazing job as do all the other places and I think what we what we really want, ultimately, my goal is not to have a national health system in the U, in, in the UAE, but to have other options that can help people that don't have the cover and the insurance to pay for these things. Because you know, I'm I go back to being on my soapbox all the time, where the fact of the matter is, how much is a life worth? Why would I, you know, I can't believe that we would ever turn people away from a hospital. And I'm sure we wouldn't. But I know that it's happened. And I'm not saying where or when, but I know it's happened. And why would you turn somebody away and effectively say, I can't save your life? Because if you're looking at worst case scenario, that's what you're doing. And, you know, we can stop it at source through a lot, well, a lot of ways. You know, there are so many leadership individuals here working with companies. You know, we've got so many options and, you know, we want to follow the government and their lead over here and Sheikh Mohammed and whoever has the opportunity to really promote this. And, and we at Mindforce with my partner, Simon, as I mentioned again, you know, we work with the government in terms of giving them advice on what to do, because I call things in black and white. I'm not a diplomat. You know, if you get it, I'll tell you what it's what if it's right or wrong. And if it hurts you, I'm sorry, because I'm only trying to do it for the best of those people and ultimately yourself. You know, I'll, I'll finish off with the fact that, you know, there was a certain individual that saved my life. And he phoned the police, as I said to you, in 2020. And two and a year ago, he felt as though he wasn't in a great place. And you know what he said to me? I always thought that depression and mental health was rubbish. I didn't trust it. He said, but ultimately, when I lost my structure, I realized that up there in your mind, it does have issues and it and you can be controlled by your decisions, whether they're right or wrong. You know, and 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 I just want I just want everyone. I, I got a second chance two years ago. I'm two and a half years old, effectively. You know, I'd have, I'd have lost everyone. And I can't, you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. I mean, you know, we can't hide the fact that this is an illness and we shouldn't hide the fact and we shouldn't be embarrassed, you know, and, and what you've done over the years and other people have done is 
let's break that stigma down even more, you know. But it is about the different cultures and nationalities, religion, religious leaders, individuals from all different works of life over here. The diversity here is huge. So we all have to work together. You're not wrong for feeling a bit wrong. You know, you're, it's okay not to be okay, as they, as they say. Exactly. Uh, Chris, thank you very much for sharing your personal story with vulnerability. Thank you especially for transforming this personal experience into something that is impactful for our society, giving people the choice to make something out of, uh, out of the transition from a struggle to solution, uh, making it first in our dear UAE. Uh, I am really, really thankful for this, uh, this conversation, Chris. I hope that we are going to continue working together. Uh, I hope so. I, I love I mean, I would, I, I, would say, I would say one last thing, Ivan, is that, you know, yourself and us, you and I and other people, and, and the fact that if people are watching this or when they watch this, and next week is, is, is Mental Health Day on, uh, on the 10th, and, you know, we're going to be posting this, and, and, and all I will say to individuals or companies is if you do want help, It's not, you know, we're not, it's not just you and I that will go and help them. We will find the right people to help them. You know, we're open to talking to people because I think, you know, and I'm doing that next week is that you talk to people at a personal level and it will make them really sort of understand that it could be something that they're, they're, they're actually, you know, should we say rejecting upstairs in their mind that might be wrong and they're trying to fight it without having the tools to fight it. Well, we can give them, <clears throat> we can give them the tools and we can, under, we can help them. So, you know, anyone can reach out. It's, there's, no, there's no stigma, we, don't be embarrassed. Don't feel as though you're doing, you're, you know, you're making us do something we don't want to do. You know, we all want to do it. And, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I used to want to go back to work in media. I didn't want to stay in this industry, but I kept getting dragged back because, you know, it comes back to the fact that I won't let, and nor will my colleagues and normal people we work with, you know, if you've experienced it, I won't let people get to where I got to. Because, you know, that is the very, very end of, of, of it's a very, you know, you're never 100% about ending your life. But it's, it, you have to be in a very dark place to do it. And, you know, the, the fact of the matter is that we can make it better. And, you know, we've done that before. And, You know, we can put you in touch with people that will tell you that there is a there is a way out. There is a light, you know, and it, it, but you have to want to do it as well. It is up to those people to want to do it. So thank you very much indeed. I've, I've appreciated it. Thank you, Chris.